Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with jazz multi-award winning concert pianist and vocalist Angie Wells. She got into her new 2023 CD, Truth Be Told, produced by legendary jazz bassist John Clayton. Inspired by the summer of 2020 and the events that moved us all into action, this singer has a smoky, well-rounded voice with an ability to entertain her audience in a way that is captivating by giving a show in the true sense of the word with glamorous costume changes, humorous banter, and a voice that keeps the audience hanging on to every note. She's been all over the world with the finest in jazz. She has great stories. Enjoy this interview. Thank you for taking a minute out today. I appreciate it. Oh, listen, thank you for being interested. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, you bet. You bet. So before we get into Truth Be Told, I, I want to know, you know, the world of, of jazz musicians, the community was really rocked by the whole pandemic over the last couple of years. I'm yeah. curious how you survived that time period and how it changes the way that you approach your music now. Basically, the interesting is surviving that time period. I think a lot of us just, you know, were in. I mean, we just weren't, uh, we weren't gigging. Um, I actually have uh, another uh, <clears throat> income source that uh, helps me. Um, I do makeup. Um, and so uh, I was able to continue that work in the film and television industry um, to do some of that to fill in and keep things going. And um, I consider myself really fortunate to, you know, to have that option um moving forward i think you know what it has done is it's definitely made us all very appreciative <laughs> of you know the option to perform live and um, i do think even though you know things are are picking up i, I do think a, a lot of us are still aware that we need to you know stay safe uh, with covid um, because it hasn't totally gone away yet. Um, but, um, yeah, basically for me, I, I must say I, I was fortunate in that I, I did have that other option. When it was time to sort of come back, I was very, uh, very cautious. I'm just getting ready to come back. Um, because of the idea of you being in a room full of people, um, and you, as a singer, you know, you're, you're exposed, you're taking in deep breaths, <laughs> and you're also breathing in a lot of air. It's definitely something that I think, you know, we're all, we will all be conscious and aware of until it goes away. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So the new album, Truth Be Told, is produced by the legendary bassist, John Clayton. It's coming out February 17th. And a lot of the liners that talk about this album reference you know, the summer of 2020, George Floyd, what we were all living through. So kind of as all of that is the context, talk to me about the artistic uh, stitching together of this project. Basically what happened with the project was, you know, obviously that summer watching the horror on TV unfold in front of my eyes, um, being a mother of a, a young man um, who was, obviously brown of course that was a major concern for me and also just a concern for my people as a whole um i was quite saddened by that um and so this song sort of came to me and i, I realized that 
I, I wanted to write a song, but at that point it was just a song. Um, and then after I got the song done, this idea sort of came to me that I wanted to do an album. Um, and I wanted to do this album based on various truths, th- the types of truths that we would see, like George Floyd, daily living, you know, truths of not having enough time <laughs> for things, just all of the things that we find are affecting us in daily life. And so I I set out to write some originals um, dealing with uh, some social crisis. We have, you know, a terrible homelessness crisis happening in the country all over, but particularly in Los Angeles. Um, so I wrote Where the Living is Good as a sort of uh, response to that. Um, I just started to feel that, okay, this I think this is evolving. I then reached out to Josh Nelson, who is an amazing pianist. He was uh, Natalie Cole's pianist, uh, worked with her for many, many years, and asked Josh to help me get the music on paper uh, and to, you know, add some color to the melody, things that we were doing. And Josh and I sat and we actually got the three originals finished together. Um, And I said to Josh, you know, now that I know that this is definitely going to turn into an album, I'm going to reach out to John and see if, you know, he'd be willing to produce for me. I've known John for probably six or seven, actually maybe more than that, maybe seven years. I actually approached him years ago uh, to mentor me. And he is a very open and kind person. Um, He said, yes, he would. And over the years, you know, I would call him when I needed information. I'd even taken, I'd gone and attended uh, the jazz camp that he runs up in Port Townsend in uh, Washington State. You know, just sort of kept in touch. And when I decided to do this, I, I called him. I explained, you know, what I was doing and who I had on board. He said, sure, yeah, I'd love to help you with that. I think we can do that. And so I was, needless to say, ecstatic um, because having someone of his caliber, you know, agree to work with me, um, I knew that that meant he had confidence in my skill level and that uh, it was going to be a great project because John doesn't do anything that's not great. (laughs) That's for sure. Let's dig back into your life here, and you obviously, you know, you've you've been in the jazz game for a while. Talk to me about the beginnings, where you were born and raised, and how these seeds of jazz were sprouted into you. Um, I was born in Philadelphia. Um, My dad um, was a huge jazz and blues fan. I mean, just huge. We had tons of vinyl, and he even had 78s. Like, he was a collector. And um, on Sundays, my my dad was a barber, um, so, you know, Sunday and Monday were his two days off. He wasn't a churchgoer. My mom and I would go to church on Sundays. When we come back, my mom would cook dinner. My dad would be, Sunday was his afternoon to play music, to play vinyl. So we would sit in the living room while mom was in the kitchen 
and he would, you know, stack up the vinyl on the old player where you could put like five albums and they drop down one at a time. <laughs> you may not be old enough to remember that, Joe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> but um, we'd listen to that music. It just really, for me, it set this sort of natural love for that music. Um, so from the time I was literally, you know, three, four, five years old, um, that's what I did on Sunday afternoons was listen to blues and jazz with my dad. And then my mother um, would buy the season tickets to what our version in Philadelphia is like. You, we have the whole, the bowl here. We had the Dell in Philadelphia, which is sort of outside theater. And uh, my mom would buy the series, the jazz series. So, you know, I see Joe Williams and Lionel Hampton and, you know, all those folks as a kid. That's what I got to do. It was great. And um, when I was five, I had a really amazing experience. Um, the school I went to was a parochial school. And the uh, minister who ran it was very popular and within the black community and also was part of, you know, working with civil rights. So whenever any musicians would come into town who were churchgoers, they'd usually come up and visit Reverend Sullivan. And this one particular day, um, I was in kindergarten, uh, they called us all into the auditorium and they said, oh, we have really nice gentleman's going to play the piano for you and so we sat and we listened and I can still remember you know he had little sort of thick sideburns and his hair was kind of gray and curly little uh, fluffy mustache and very round eyes with a smile that for a child it was a very warm smile it was it, I remember thinking oh he's like a grandfather he had like a very loving energy it was Count Basie <laughs> And so he played for a bunch of five-year-olds. Um, apparently, he loved children. He played for us for quite a bit, and um, that was sort of my introduction to the like swing side of jazz. Because my dad was more, you know, modern and uh, more bebop and that kind of stuff. But uh, Count Basie was obviously swing, and so. That's sort of where I got my love of swing. That's kind of where that seed was planted. So, you know, being around someone like John Clayton, you know, he obviously is somebody that likes to teach, you know, younger players around him. And you've been around a lot of esteemed players, you know, from John to Bill Cunliffe and Josh Nelson, and the list goes on. What have you learned from those veterans, legends, and luminaries that you, in turn, try to teach younger players that you get around? I think, you know, patience with yourself, kindness with yourself, setting goals, deciding what it is that uh, you want to achieve, listing out what needs to be done to, to do that. Um, but I've also learned that, uh, you know, we're a sharing industry. Um, these musicians that I have worked with, all of these top-level musicians, are, have all been very generous with sharing information, techniques. Um, anytime I need help on anything, I can pick up the phone, and if they are available, 
they've all been very willing to help even the things like, for instance, um, you know, I was uh, working on trying to figure out how to keep the groove interesting on uh, where the living is good. And I went over and hung out with Clayton Cameron for a couple hours you know, between talking with him and Josh, we kind of figured out, okay, well, we'll, you know, change the groove here and change the groove there. It's just, it's very, they're very collaborative. And I really, really do enjoy um, that. And I try to, you know, if anyone has reaches out to me, I try to be the same and to be generous with what knowledge I have. Every day you wake up, you get to live this life as a musician. And I'm curious, what do you like the best about it? There's so many facets of it. What motivates you? What drives you to to be a, a musician? And, and what do you look forward to the most? The connection um, with the musicians and the audience. It's the connection that is really um, the thing that drives me. I find what I look forward to most is that sort of symbiotic exchange of energy that you get when you're, you know, on stage and you've got the band with you. You're exchanging energy with the band because you're sort of listening to what they're doing and you're playing off of each other. And then at the same time, you are exchanging energy with your audience. Um, you're giving and they're taking and then they're giving and you're taking. You're giving your your talent, you're giving the music, you're giving your spirit, you're giving your energy, you're giving the emotion of the song, you're telling them a story. They're receiving it, usually openly, and wanting it, and enjoying when they enjoy it, they give that energy back to you, be it through the look on a face, be it through a tear, or tears when you're seeing something that touches them, uh, be it through laughter or smile when the lyrics are funny. Um, it's just, for me, the main thing that I love is, is definitely the exchange of energy. If you could see a dream show in the annals of jazz, get into a time machine and go anywhere and see it, who would you love to see live? Who would you, where would that be? <laughs> Wow. Let's see. That'd <laughs> be a big show. Well, I definitely would want to see Sarah Vaughn, um, Carmen McRae, Anita O'Day. There was a woman who didn't get a lot of play, but I loved her voice, Lorez Alexandria. And I guess... Uh, Musically, we count Basie, um, Duke Ellington. Let me see who else. Oh, gosh, it's such a long list of people. Nina Simone, obviously, because I, you know, have a big love of her. Oh, my goodness, this could go on for. I should have prefaced this with who, like, in the list, like, who would be the one that you would go see. But that's a great list that you threw out there. <laughs> okay. Yeah, definitely, definitely those ladies, Nina, Carmen, uh, Sarah, Anita Day for sure. And, you know, I mean, Duke Ellington was a great composer. 
Count Basie, a great swinger. I mean, and of course, there's lots of other, you know, musicians, Monk. I mean, like you said, it could go on, but <laughs> that's a small list. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, very simply put, why do you love jazz? I love jazz because jazz is not in a box. One of the things I I, I most love about jazz is the fact that jazz musicians can get off a plane somewhere in a strange city, go to a jazz club, meet up with some other musicians, call out a tune, and just start playing and sound like they've been playing together because there's that freedom in jazz that you don't necessarily have um you know, with pop or R&B, you got to stick to that chart. With jazz, the the improvisation is what, you know, makes it. And the fact that you can sing a song that's, you know, written 100 years ago and sing it 97 different ways, depending upon who's interpreting it, um, I find that wonderful about jazz. I find it wonderful that, you know, on stage you get to improvise and be organic and sort of right in that moment design or compose what you're going to play or sing. It's wonderful um, that we, we are able to to do that in jazz, which doesn't really happen a lot in other um, music. Um, so I think for me that that's definitely one of the major points. Um, and the other thing is I think that jazz is a mixture of so many different kinds of music. Like I said, it's it's not really pigeonholed. There's you know, there's sort of soulful jazz, and there's swing, and then there's classic jazz, and there's vocal jazz, and there's bebop, and there's, so there's so many different facets to it, um, and there's so many different um, flavors that uh, it's hard to get bored. There's lots to do within it, and I like that variety. Everyone has a perception of you, an idea of who they think you are, your family, your friends, your fans, but ultimately you live your life. What's your perception yeah. of you? Who do you think you are? <laughs> oh, well, I'm a humble person, so this is always awkward to start talking about oneself. I think of myself, I guess, as a singer who really wants to connect, who wants to do performances that, um, you know, show jazz at its best, um, I'd like to be a part of, you know, keeping jazz in the forefront. Um, I know that, you know, people keep coming up with this jazz is dead thing, <laughs> but it keeps living. I mean, I, I, I think, I don't think they literally mean jazz is dead. I think they may mean the, the categor categorization of it is dead, but not the music itself. So I'd like to be part of, keeping it alive and I sort of think of myself as a um, I guess you know a conduit for the music um, I want to bring elegance and fun and funk and you know sort of ancestry 
I'd like to bring all of that. That's sort of who I see myself as, as an artist. Um, I'm definitely, I definitely like glam. I like glamour. I like to keep that as part of um, what I bring um, to jazz for myself. Excellent. Angie, thank you for opening up. Thanks for taking time out. Before we get off here, I want to make sure that anybody out there that wants to pick up the album, the best place to go to find out about live shows, anything about your world, where can they go? Um, they can check out my website. I'm just starting to get back into performing. Um, literally, my uh, my first show back is going to be January the 19th in uh, Palm Springs. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I'm just starting to get back performing, so I'll be posting some things on my website. That's a really great place to uh, check things out. And if they want to buy music, by all means, you know, Apple Music, you can listen on Spotify, all the sort of uh, usual suspects. Usual suspects. <laughs> and, oh, Joe, I just wanted to let you know that I pushed the release to uh, February the 24th. Excellent. That's great to know. Angie, thank you for opening up, talking about the album, your life, and music. I really appreciate your time today. Thank you. Thank you so much for your interest. I really appreciate it. And it's, you know, it's wonderful to be able to be, a, you know, a, a woman in this field. And we're out here trying to keep this music going. So I, I really appreciate your interest. Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players and minds and singers in L.A., New York City, Kansas City, and spots all over the globe, giving fans all that jazz. Thanks to Angie for her time, energy, and class. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino on the iTunes Store. Visit Neon Jazz at YouTube.com and for everything Neon Jazz all the time, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.